Welcome everyone to another episode of the Consulting Podcast. This is your host, Mohamed Misbah, aka The Consulting Guy. I'm very excited to have Christine Wong with us today. Christine is a tech consultant at Accenture. She's a YouTuber, a podcaster, and also the founder of the technology consulting community. Christine, very happy to have you. How are you? Doing well. Happy to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Christine, for those who don't know you, right, I just did a quick intro. You are a tech consultant and uh, at Accenture. Uh, can you just do a quick background overview of how you got started in consulting, your uh, background in education, um, and then how you got started in this uh, creative side? Sure. So actually, when I was at Boston University, I graduated two years ago and I studied business, concentrated in finance, management, information systems and strategy. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do something in tech. And when I found out about the marriage between business and technology, I saw technology consulting and it really helped out because it matched in terms of the lifestyle and the kind of work I wanted to do. And when I actually joined Accenture, that was what I did not do. It was actually, okay. I went straight into Workday Financials and I didn't really have a choice, but I ended up falling in love with it. So <laughs> I actually stayed. So for two years, I did Workday Financials and all across many different industries. And I realized that like back when I was in college, I barely had any resources in technology consulting. And I was already doing a lot of informational interviews to a lot of students at Boston University for people who don't know about technology consulting or Accenture. Mm -hmm. So I started a YouTube channel to talk about a little bit more and I'm about like about thousand subscribers right now, which I'm incredibly wow. people are finding value in my content. And I also just started a podcast, which is essentially like an audio episode of some of the video interviews that I'm doing again okay. to actually feature women of inspiration. So kind of women about all kind of backgrounds and also technology professionals. So including people in technology or consulting. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. So you, you've uh, within how, and you said it's been two years you've uh, graduated, right? Yep. Two, two and a half years. So within that, that two years, it seems like you've uh, experienced a lot and you've sort of started your own thing. But I actually wanted to take a step back. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of us, especially, you know, myself included, uh, we don't know about consulting as a career choice, mm -hmm. right? So when, you know, I studied engineering undergrad, you studied business. So were you familiar with the field? Uh, and how did you actually learn about it if you weren't? Mm -hmm. So like most people, I think most people knew about management consulting. It's like what everyone knows about, but no okay. one knew about technology consulting. So when I heard mm. about management consulting, I was like, I don't think that's for me. Okay. So I completely wrote off consulting from the very beginning, even though you can travel all around the world or something like that. But for me, it was actually the fact that I can, I knew what I wanted to do was in tech. But okay. if I did not know what in tech, then the perfect opportunity was really to do technology consulting to kind of do all those different projects out there. And honestly, what I was really considering at the time was systems design, product management, project management, and then eventually technology consulting. And kind of like the career that kind of took all of those together was technology consulting. So I found about that when one of my friends actually was a consultant is a technology consultant at Accenture. Okay. And I was like, oh, cool. This actually was exactly what I was talking about. I kept on thinking that maybe technology consulting was like management consulting with tech, but it's really mm -hmm. a whole different category of its own. Okay, that, that's interesting that you have that perspective because mm -hmm. uh, one of the most, and I talked about this with my previous episode, it is extremely difficult to define consulting, yeah. right? And then once you <laughs> define consulting, you have to talk about strategy consulting, management consulting, technology consulting, operations. There's the whole word digital that gets thrown out everywhere mm -hmm. nowadays. 
So I, I'm very interested in, in sort of understanding how you define technology consulting. Yeah. Um, and then what is it about it that really excites you, right? And gets you out of bed every morning because you seem very passionate about it. Um, so undergrad, uh, you, so you were in business. It seemed like your friend was the one who sort of nudged you into getting mm-hmm. into consulting. Uh, did you have any experience like from internships in consulting or was it mostly around the technology space? So ironically, my first two years was actually not even related to technology at all. The freshman year was like in retail operations, sophomore year was okay. finance. So that's actually where I kind of realized what kind of jobs and careers and companies I would want to be in, but still did not know what. Okay. And when I did like a, it was like a required course in the business curriculum, which was an introduction to information systems. That class really blew me away. It was like the first and the only 8 a.m. class. <laughs> a plus, like that, that was a sign to me. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And then when I looked into what were the careers that were kind of relating to that topic, technology consulting was one of them, okay. and as well as like product management, project management, all that kind of stuff. So when I started to pursue that, I was like, okay, well now my resume looks only like it's a business major. So mm-hmm. why don't I do something in tech? And that's where I was like, okay, well, let's do like a IT project management internship, a data analytics internship, and then also some kind of like IT work as well on the side, um, as well as like e-commerce product management, not necessarily IT or techie, but it was relating to tech. Okay. So that's where I was able to kind of dip my feet into like actual technology. So that way, when people looked at my resume, it's not just business, it's not just technology. It was kind of the happy two marriage mm-hmm. of them. Okay. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, and, and was it through your uh, college sort of career uh, fairs or career sort of uh, processes where you learned about Accenture or were there other uh, technology or consultancies in the mix and you decided to go with uh, Accenture? Yeah, so I was actually considering all of the consulting firms and then I was trying to write off which ones not because it seemed very similar in my opinion. So I completely wrote off big four in my opinion because they were accounting firms. I want to be in a technology firm where you're known for technology and like McKinsey, Bain and BCG, they didn't seem like that. They seem like strategy. So even though they have the prestige, I wanted something more in tech just because of the fact that I came in for tech. So that's where I heard about Accenture, IBM, Capgemini. Those were the three firms that I was really considering at the time. But the reason why I went for Accenture was because of the people I met. Like, let's say, for example, my friend actually was a consultant at Accenture. So that was one reason why, because I actually knew someone in there, while the others were just like, they were just firms I had absolutely no connection to. And Accenture also heavily recruited at Boston University too. So they had a lot of information sessions and networking events. Mm -hmm. So I did meet a lot of people. And when I think about consultants, I I thought about like, pretentious or just like, (laughs) I don't know, stick up their butts or something like that. So I just didn't know how to relate to them. But when I talked about Accenture, it seemed like they were just a bunch of friendly people trying to play video games or uh, learn about tech or something like that. And when I actually started my job, I was like, wow, I could play video games in the office and be okay with it. Really? Okay. Not. I'm, I'm yeah. curious because I I've I've been uh, eight and a half years at Accenture and I I haven't been exposed to that side, <laughs> so I'm not really interested because I may want to jump over to your you know your practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very exciting. Okay, and and you know we don't ding on the the big four, but yeah. you know as as folks know I you know, I am from Accenture as well. So, 
the big four is let's just hold our reservations about that one until <laughs> we get someone from the big four on the podcast. Okay, that's great. No, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you seem very excited that you found the right thing. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that you got thrown into the Workday Financial sort of, yeah. can you tell us what that is and uh, what did this uh, get thrown into process mean? Yeah, so when I first started, it was like probably a week before I started that they were saying, Christine, you're in Workday Financials. And I did not know what Workday was. I just knew maybe like the bottom of like the little applications that to do whenever I apply for jobs. But that was all I did and all I knew about it. So when they threw me in, I was like the first thing I did actually was like, I think it was like the first week of orientation. Yeah. third day, I was able to actually go into the office and talk to people in the workday practice. And they were like, oh, it's an ERP system. And like financials is kind of something hard to explain. I'm like, okay, well, I still don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So I went to training and I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this because as I mentioned before, I did come from a business background. I had a finance internship. So kind of the pieces come together because I did work with SAP on that uh, internship where I was doing finance. And now it's just like a completely different system where it's all cloud-based. So that was something that I really enjoyed. And the fact that it's not just like, you don't need to know just finance or you don't need to know how to code. Yeah. It's really just working with the client, gathering requirements and actually trying to build a system. And what I really enjoyed about it actually was the fact that it's a lot of business process optimization, even though it's not necessarily in the description of like a technology consultant, a lot of clients ask like, what's best practice or like, what should we do? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What do other clients do? So, I mean, half the times I don't have the answer, but the other times I can use logic and also a lot of like, oh, this is what could happen. And then like the part that I really like is that like, oh, like there's a light bulb that just dings and that's where we start moving forward. No, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the first project, right? And I, I want to talk about the experience, even for myself, right? I'm, I'm within uh, financial services and I do mm-hmm. heavily, uh, a lot of work within the CRM space, but um you know, as we know, when you first start within any consultancy, and, and we'll talk about Accenture because both of us are from the same firm, uh, your first engagement truly is, you know, you're sitting there in training or uh, waiting to be staffed, right? You really don't have a professional resume at that yeah. point, right? Obviously, you got hired into the firm, but you're still looking for your first engagement at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of it's just luck, right? You just get thrown into whatever is available within your region or within the, the you know, from the demand that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then either you sometimes like it and you don't, right? And this analyst period truly is the place where you get to experiment and, and see if this is aligned to where you want to grow, right? Yeah. And it seems like you found the thing or really liked the thing that, you know, that you end up, ended up doing the very first time, right? Similar case for me. I started within CRM and eight and a half years later, I'm still within CRM. <laughs> right. And, and I, I, I fell in love with it because it, it truly touched upon the elements of how do you build relationships? Right. And then how does strategy or technology enable that? Yeah. Um, so very nice. Very nice with that. Uh, so just uh, in terms of your analyst sort of period, mm-hmm. as you got staff and now it's been two years, you've said uh, you've been with Accenture. Uh, how many clients have you worked with uh, with this uh, Workday financial uh, processing system that you have? Yep. Uh, so. Can you repeat that question, by the way? You just cut out just- Oh, I cut a little bit? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was saying how many clients within the first two years have you worked with uh, within uh, Workday Financials? Actually, I had about five clients. And wow. the thing about Workday is that I'm in the medium enterprise practice. And I think I, I think they changed the name now. It's like Launch Your Way or Launch something. 
but okay. um, it's actually where you have smaller clients. In this case, it's like a medium sized firm. And because of that, there's a lot of partial staffing too. So I could be on two or three projects at the same time. My very first project though, has been my project up, like I'm still technically on the project, but throughout the other times, like there's like my second or third project has constantly evolved based off of the type of scope that there is. Like okay. maybe some project would be like eight months or maybe some would be two years, which is the one that I'm currently on as well. And because of those projects, I was able to get a full experience in terms of how it would be from the very beginning to the very Fantastic. end. And also the fact that like after my third or fourth project, I was actually able to lead. So now, even though I'm an analyst, I could still lead a session and I would be technically the lead consultant for that work stream while in like a bigger project where it would be, let's say like a large enterprise, it would yeah, probably yeah. be like a hundred or 200 person project or something like that. And I would probably be just supporting one little portion of the work stream. But because my team for these little projects are actually going to be like about five to 10 people, okay. it's so easy to lead. And because of that, you get a lot of experience and really get the ownership to actually do something for once. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and seeing an engagement from start to finish, yep. right, truly gives you the appreciation and understanding to go to your next engagement and talk end to end, right? A lot of times you get thrown into something. It could be midstream. It could be towards the end. It could be towards the beginning. And, I, you know, I feel for the ones that get thrown in either towards the end or the mid because you really have to ramp up very fast. Yeah. Right. We always talk about how consulting is uh, two or three years. One year in consulting is two or three years or four years in real life. That's because you're playing catch up all the time. You have to learn whoever your client is, their processes. You have to understand the technology or the functionality, or the strategy that you're working on and mm -hmm. apply it together very aggressively. Um, mm -hmm. And then you also mentioned um, as part of your uh, sort of walkthrough that uh, thinking on your feet is something that you had to do a lot up front. Yeah. Right. Um, talk us more about that. What, is, what does that mean for, for folks who are interested in consulting or haven't had that exposure yet? Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to walk before I had to run. So my very first project, the two-year projects, is actually the one where I had a lot of lead consultants on there and then I was just supporting. So the first two months actually, I was just taking notes, observing, reading the room, and then report back to the lead consultant on like what exactly did I read compared to what he'd caught. Okay. And it was really cool because what I was thinking, which back then, like it was completely different, but now I think it would match up. So because of that, when I had my second project, which was at the same time as this project, mm -hmm. I was able to lead like a work stream from the get-go. And even though I just learned the software and I just learned what the hell uh, accounting would be or finance would be from the business standpoint, because, you know, like even though an internship from like a collegiate level is not enough to actually do it from a actual business level. Absolutely. So that's where I really had to think on my feet. So things where the questions they're asking, I'm like, I don't know the answer, but I have to find some kind of way of deflecting or like deferring to someone that's actually in the room or that I have to think about something. And honestly, like the questions that I keep on stumbling on is like, oh, what is best practice? What have your other clients do? I'm like, I, I just started two months ago. How do I have that answer? So um, that's something that like, I have to kind of avoid and then just think about logic instead like oh do you yeah. really want maybe 50 approvals for this one ten dollar invoice to get a pack of pencils probably not so mm. when you put in that perspective and put it into baby terms i think it really helped a lot i think that's actually probably one of my strengths is that for finance and for technology they're really 
heavy and jargon and a lot of hard concepts. But then when you really try to dumb it down to bite-sized pieces, that's where it can really help the client understand. And so my clients have actually benefited a lot from this because even though technically I don't truly understand these concepts, I understand them in bite-sized pieces. I'm just kind of spewing them back out to them. So mm. that's kind of like thinking on the feed. So we do have something where like we have resources in Accenture that we ask questions. So sometimes even during the actual meeting itself, I would just ask the question and then within two minutes, I would get an answer right then on the meeting. <laughs> Very nice. No, that, that's great. So how, yeah. how did you get good at this? Because that's a, that's a skill set. That's one of the uh, foundational skill sets mm-hmm. that you have to master very, very quickly, right? Yeah. To this date, you know, I'm a senior manager at Accenture. Um, there's things that I will not know, right? And uh, deflection may be a little bit too harsh of a word, but mm-hmm. uh, softening the blunt uh, force of deflection is, yeah. is the goal there. Yeah. So how, how did you get good at it? I think actually what was really important and crucial for me was listening first. And Uh what I've noticed a lot of seasoned consultants are there. They're like, oh, I already know what you should be doing, or they already know what approach you should be doing before they listen to the client. So sometimes that could actually kind of close off a lot of options. And for me, it's really just listening because at that time I knew absolutely nothing. So I had to soak everything up like a sponge. So at that time, I was just kind of remembering everything. So each time there was like a little tidbit of information that didn't match up with something that they were saying, I would kind of connect it back. Hmm. So I asked a lot of questions, I, which is kind of funny because I'm supposed to be answering their questions, but I deflect it by asking more questions. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, I actually lead them to the right answer. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Answer based off the questions and the kind of way I'm kind of framing it. And how I learned that was if I really had to go back. Um, I was actually, I did a lot of journalism back in high school for the school newspaper for about Ah, four years. So that's where I knew how to ask good questions where it's not just meaningless. And that also helped out when it came to job interviews, like, oh, what's the typical day in your life? Well, that's so easy to answer. So just give a harder question that can answer more things. So it was Hmm. kind of that skill of asking good questions that kind of carried over. And then after that, thinking on your feet in terms of now you're piecing out all of these answers to like whatever you're thinking about and then kind of have like 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 I mentioned before have them kind of figure it out for you so mm. because at the end of the day they know they know their business more than you do so yeah. <laughs> they should yeah. be the one to tell us that's interesting so why why is it uh, cuz i you know almost having a decades of experience i <laughs> always questioned this right and and i I, I mean this more from a, an observe, observer point of view, right? You, mm-hmm. any engagement would have your uh, SMEs, right? That actually know the product, know the processes extremely well, right? And then there's folks that are actually running the sessions that may be good in exploring and poking holes in the ex- existing processes. Um, and then you have some more junior folks, right? That are there more from a packaging, packaging up the deliverables, right? Yeah understanding what's being uh, asked of requirements, right? Documenting that the use cases, so on and so forth. Um, from a client's perspective, do they ever like question that? Why is this such, you know, new person or lack of experience, uh, an inexperienced person, the one trying to tell me how to operate, right? And, and have you felt that <laughs> dynamic ever? hundred <laughs> percent, especially when, um, I don't know, like Asians don't raisin. So I look even younger than most people think. Uh, So for me, it's like, even though I just graduated from college, people still think that I'm younger than I look. Yeah. So I feel like even when I'm 30, they're still probably going to question it. But 
Um, sometimes I think it's really just about how you carry yourself. So if you uh-huh. do a lot of things like, like um, uh, it kind of, kind of tarnishes your professionalism a little bit, or mm-hmm. if you are not that professional, you don't dress up properly, or that you're not completely zoned into the actual meeting. There's so many things out there where you want everything to be in your favor. So you have to try your best. Right. So right. some things I like to do is like small talk. I hate small talk, but I have to. It's like what consultants have to do anyways. And then not in what what's small talk? Let's 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 define. <laughs> let's make it real. Oh my God. Um, I, okay, so, I, I'm I'm a cons- I'm a client, right? Yeah. And and I'm really angry about ordering pencils and having 10 steps about it. I take your example. Make make that better for me. Make my experience better. Yeah. So the kind of small talk that I do actually is again, and this is probably my forte is asking questions and then kind of working off of that. So before I just say like, oh, how's the weather today or something like that? My least favorite question. It's really mostly like, what did you do over the weekend? And then they yeah. say something very specific. I try to go even deeper, but not too deep because maybe they don't want to be, they don't want to open up their privacy. Yeah. And then um, at least like the whole goal of this really to, is to start a happy, open vibe. It's not to actually learn about the client to the way that I would want to text them like, oh, happy birthday or something like that. It's mm-hmm. really just to have them like believe that I'm actually an open person, try to be their friend. So whenever I'm actually trying to build report. So in this case, for example, if I'm a small little analyst, why would they want to listen to me? Well, if they have five other consultants that don't want to listen to them or that they're kind of like saying all this jargon or very intimidating, they have this one person that they can ask all their dumb questions to. And a lot of people ask me dumb questions and I answer them. So that is kind of like a way for me to report back to my team and say, oh, this person actually is very confused about this, even Mm. though she was sitting in this meeting. So I can work with her on the side, either through a call or, I mean, if we're on site, it would just be like a one-on-one. But when it comes to actual job itself, that way I have a better understanding of like how people are feeling at that time and then kind of guide the conversation. So instead of just having them sit there and we talk at them, I ask them questions like, do you understand? Or can you kind of tell us more about like what your process is? So that way we can kind to see what their process is instead of just assuming it. Mm. Now, are you are you are you doing that to? Because um, there, any client, right? Just, we're all humans at the end of the day, right? There's mm-hmm. people that we have affinity towards. There's personalities that we find easy to talk to. Um, are you building relationships, like deeper, true relationships with your clients, right? Uh, or is it more for a professional courtship, um, if I if I may use that word? Yeah, I would say it's definitely for a more professional courtship. There are maybe like one or two people that I have gone a little bit closer to, but it's only whenever we're on site. It's not actually to like, oh, text each other happy birthday or like, oh, good luck with the move kind of thing. Hmm. Um, So there's just so many things out there where I feel I draw the line there. I don't want to make it into where it's like more personal. Okay. Um, But I am okay with like, like, why why do I want to draw the line? Yeah, like why why not if you get along with that person and and you know after hours you take off the client and consultant sort of you know codes off and it's more of a uh, this is a terrible analogy take keep your codes <laughs> on <laughs> I mean more of a you know what I mean right why, yeah. why, is at the end of the day hey I you know, we're we're aligned in a lot of things maybe they're interested in YouTube maybe they're interested in podcasting why not connect with them at that point Oh, I actually do tell them about that. I'm talking more about like on personal things, like let's say if I have a birthday party, will I invite them? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> if I'm really close to them to the point where like I 
I mean, I have a feeling if I worked on a five or 10 year project with this client, I would have those kind of relationships, but yeah, because my yeah. projects are so short and that they're not in New York either. So it's pretty hard to meet up with them because with the types of projects that I'm on, I don't actually travel that much. It's probably like once or twice a month. Hmm. Because of that, I probably only see their face three times in the entire project. Is that because of COVID or is that just how your projects are? That's actually how my projects are. Okay, interesting. So you're not mm-hmm. even even pre-COVID, you weren't really uh, traveling and it's more yeah. of a uh, work from home or work from the uh, Accenture office situation. Yeah, it, it's pretty common when it comes to partial staffing because if you were 24%, no, if you were 24-7 on site with someone, then you can't do that with the other client. Yeah, It'd be a little yeah. bit weird to say like, oh, I can't be with you because I'm with another client. It's just kind of a little bit weird there. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, okay, so you, you're sort of straddling multiple clients at the yep. same time. Yep. Okay, interesting. So you you are, um, I guess, the track that you are on. You're becoming a subject matter advisor or expert, whatever you want to call it, within the, uh, for this uh, uh, platform. Um, mm-hmm. And then your your goal is to sort of straddle multiple engagements, and they come to you with their uh, requirements or asks, and then you you sort of have those conversations, lead work streams, and um, resolve whatever issues that they have. Is that the track that you're on? Not really. It's okay. really mostly I'm assigned to multiple projects as a consultant, and then I would go to those projects. So they are aware that it's like that they I have other clients too. So I have some projects where it's only five hours a week and some that are 10 hours. And mm. the one that's two years is actually 30 hours a week. So they're aware that I have other engagements. So there are times that I do have to say like, oh, I can't go on site because I have this other client, or maybe even sometimes I'm not even in the right country. So there's a lot of opportunities wow. where I get to say that kind of thing. And the thing is that it gets a little bit difficult when it comes to work-life balance, because even though I've gone like an all day session for one client, I still have work to do for the others. So at the hotel room, I have to do that kind of work on the side because it's just weird to do another client's work actually on site when you're there. (laughs) Oh, no, no. That's very interesting. I mean, uh, you're operating how most of like the managing directors or partners, Mm -hmm. right? In the other industries would would operate, right? You're straddling multiple clients. Mm -hmm. You may have a full-blown engagement running, and as we, and you probably experienced this, even though you are, let's say 50%, 40%, 20% on one engagement, mm-hmm. they still demand a hundred, yeah. right? <laughs> Everyone demands a hundred right? <laughs> and, totally and uh, managing, uh, you know, work-life balance is extremely, extremely difficult yeah. right? uh, and, and it, it gets harder. So mm-hmm. it, it's interesting that you're sort of operating at that capacity, even at your level. Yeah. I, I'm lucky though that I haven't actually worked overtime often. Um, okay. It's probably whenever it comes to the point where I have to, but not often. Okay. So even even with all of this going on, tell me about this uh, creative side of yours, right? <laughs> you, you have a podcast, you have a very successful sort of growing YouTube channel, right? You're interviewing a lot of people. You're sort of getting your message out there in terms of technology consulting. How do you manage all of it? And then uh, how did you get started with this? Yeah, so I, like I mentioned before, I did a lot of informational interviews with a lot of BU students. And honestly, it kind of is doing it because the department head of strategy at my school or my strategy professor at the time would funnel every single person interested at Accenture Technology Consultant to me. So there was no other person. It was just me. So I would probably have like a call every week. And in Hmm. terms of the actual YouTube video, I was like, 
everyone's asking me the same video. I mean, everyone's asking me the same questions. Question, like, what yeah. is technology consulting or like why Accenture? So each time I thought about like all the kind of questions they're asking me, why don't I make a video for each and single one of them? So mm. that way I only get the really advanced questions or ones where they just really want to hear about my journey instead of like, what is technology consulting? And that way it's a kind of like a less of a waste of a time for a lot of people. And in some cases, the reason why I considered YouTube, and actually this was where I was debating, I was like, should I do a blog? Should I do like a mentorship program? Or in this case, a Facebook group, which I ended up doing anyways. Yeah. yeah so yeah. this whole thing was really just a YouTube video. Um, it actually did take some time to get used to it because I'm always used to having phone calls when it comes to these students. And when, especially when we do calls with the clients is also without video. So it was definitely a learning curve when it came to actually doing videos when it comes to camera yeah. and then the video recording, editing, all that kind of stuff. That's a lot of work. It probably oh my for my very first video, it was like one hour of footage, which was just a bunch of mess ups of yeah. like. I could do 50 of the same intro and still mess up. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then from that, it was just yeah. learning curve at that point. So that one hour of footage would probably take two hours of editing to cut it mm -hmm. down to a 10 minute video. But then now it actually takes me only 15 minutes of footage to cut it down to 10 minutes. So already the editing is a lot more streamlined. And Very then nice. the actual process behind it, which I'm always constantly paranoid about okay, what if I do eventually have to go on site? Like I need to start building this into a very sustainable process right now. So yeah. I actually have a backlog of like eight videos just in case that I have like one or two days that I've missed out on or like maybe a birthday party or a, uh, like a gathering I have to go or like vacation. Like right now I'm actually, I've just moved in. I had like eight videos in backlog. Now I'm down to three. So I haven't filmed in a whole month and doing this backlog really helped me a lot because this really helped me in terms of keeping myself sane. So I don't yeah, always have to feel yeah. like I'm on my feet every week that I have to do a video, I have to edit and then have to be out in time and I can really take my time. So the downside behind that is that right now I don't technically need it. I mean, dur during moving, of course I do, but if I'm not traveling, I'm just constantly feeling like I have to do something even yeah, though I don't yeah. have to. So there's work, which already is stressful enough. And then there's also these YouTube videos and the podcast, which honestly, the podcast isn't that bad. It's just converting the videos into audio and then making a little bit more promotions on the side. So I had a backlog of eight videos or so just because I'm constantly feeling paranoid about the fact that like, what if something comes up and then I, I miss an upload because a lot of people out there on YouTube world, yeah, yeah. they do it during the weekdays or something like that. It's like their full-time job or it's a hobby. But for me, there's, it, there's some planning that needs to be done because this is not just done during the work, work days. It's actually like weeknights and then weekends. So I also have to plan a fact like, okay, when quarantine's over, I can have social on site, but it's, I had to plan a lot in advance. And I think it's actually planning is key, but it also kind of hurt me too, because that's where I'm like, I constantly have to be on go time. And that's where it does hurt a lot because like, for example, Halloween, I had a little Halloween get together at my friend's house, literally just four of us, but I'm like already thinking, oh, I need to record a video tomorrow. Oh, I need to record a video. <laughs> and that's not good in my opinion. It's not, but yeah. <laughs> it, especially it's, when it's supposed to be something fun too exactly and i i can fully empathize so yeah. two and a <laughs> half or three years ago is when i actually started the consulting guy right and i i had a what are you calling a backlog of two videos right and it's the only two or three that i shot so i had one and then i had two in my pocket 
right? And uh, the idea was, right, every week I would drop a video, right? There's a, there, I had a whole list of topics, but to your point, right, just shooting 10 minutes of video, right, requires hours mm -hmm. of like video capture and then maybe a day's worth of editing up front, right? Especially because there was yeah. a lot of different cuts, a lot of different angles, drone footage. So I wanted to make it very exciting and sort of interactive. Um, three videos later, work picked up, st got staffed on a new project and it sort of just didn't mm -hmm. get back to it. It's so, it took me so long to record and edit. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? I, I cannot focus on both at the same time. So the, the right. social media image was there, right? Instagram was still running. And then uh, recently I was like, there's still a lot of stories out there that I want to capture, I want to understand. And the easiest out of all the mediums is this podcast, I think, right? To your point, it's literally, you record it, maybe do some splicing and dicing and it's audio, right? Mm -hmm. And working with audio is super easy. Um, and then you get everyone's story out. Um, so do, do people, uh, have your clients looked at, looked at your videos? Um, I know you're interviewing a lot of consultants, but from a client perspective, has that ever come up? It has come up actually. So, um, so there's a few times where, for example, I would be talking about what I'm doing over the weekend or okay. what have I been up to? And then I would just briefly mention about this YouTube channel. Honestly, I wouldn't even bring it up if it was something that's like lifestyle, but it's because consulting and professional, I was like, why not? It's, I'm not doing anything weird. Yeah. So I brought it up and then they would actually start giving me ideas of what to talk about. I was like, oh, cool. One of my clients actually was like, talk about dress code because I see so many people who don't know how to dress properly. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Interesting. Okay. So it also adds a lot of, I think, um, layers to conversations too, because like a lot of people like to talk about their kids and I hmm. don't have kids to relate to. So at least I have something that's a little bit different that yeah, most yeah. people could be like asking questions about. And I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about it than kids. So like, I, I don't know what school districts <laughs> or anything like that, or soccer practice or anything like that. But um, I think honestly, just my journey has been really fun because I got to connect with a lot of people outside of just the US. Mm -hmm. It was all across the world. And when it came to clients, there's some people that have actually came up to me and, and actually came up to me in terms of not as my client, but as like, oh, I'm curious about like, what have people done in terms of consulting because they're thinking about going into the consulting field. So that's kind of interesting to see that the clients are like, oh, I kind of like the field that you're talking about. I've always worked with them. I didn't know exactly what they do, even though they worked directly with them. Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of cool that most consultants, they go to the client side, but it was actually the reverse in terms of the people I was talking to. Very nice. Very nice. No, it, it's good. And it becomes almost like an icebreaker, right? Every time yeah. you do kickoff calls, like, okay, one fun <laughs> fact about you, right? And you can always insert something that's very different, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I do think, uh, generally speaking, right? And it's across, not even a professional sense, but just in the community, um, the new generation is very focused on the social media space, yep. right? And, and we're seeing examples of folks just from a um, you know, monetization perspective, making millions of dollars, mm -hmm. right? And it's so, the, the barrier to entry is so low now, right? Anyone with the phone can essentially become a YouTube star. Yeah. Right. And there's so many different topics. I mean, I, I don't know about you and you just did, recently did a move, but who has cable anymore, right? Who has, you know, <laughs> network or any of these different things out there anymore, right? There's so much content in from, you know, across Netflix, your YouTube subscribe subscriptions, right? Podcast, Right. I mean, most of the time I'm not even listening to music anymore when I'm running. Right. It's literally <laughs> podcasts. You have an hour long podcast, you have an hour long run. Right. And you're learning while you're running what, what can get better. Mm -hmm. So the, the medium is there. And it's I, I think from a client perspective, it does come up. I, you know, I'll share a story with you where we were doing a uh, it wasn't a kickoff. It was one of these um, 
uh, like go live sort of uh, um, meetings, right? And you have to make a decision on whether to go or not go. And to break mm-hmm. the ice, they played mm-hmm. one of my consulting guy videos. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the bad ones, right? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Right. I wouldn't get myself into maybe I need to rethink my whole social media presence, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it breaks the ice and then you can relate to that person. Yeah. In a humane way. Right. You, you become mm-hmm. a human one of them instead of a, you know, a consultant who's telling you what to do or someone who thinks they know your process better than you do. Uh, it becomes very personable at that point. Mm-hmm. So that, that's good. So tell me, I, I, I left this for, you know, I wanted to get into the conversation a little bit more. So we have a, a shared contact, right. That we were talking about. <laughs> How, 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 how in the world did you get connected with Roger Chen? <laughs> so like I mentioned before, I was kind of thrown into Workday Financials. Okay. And the first thing I did was, I think it was like day three of orientation. I went into the Workday. It was called day nine at the time because it was acquired by Accenture, but I was okay. hired into Accenture. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I was there to meet my buddy. So Accenture hired, not, no. Accenture assigned me a buddy. I forgot what it was for. It was like a practice buddy or a training buddy. I what is know. that? What is that for those who don't know what a buddy is? You know, at Accenture? Yeah. So the buddy that I was assigned to was really just to help with onboarding, to make sure I feel comfortable, have all the resources that I had. And it's not meant to be anything formal at all, where you have like a monthly or weekly checkpoint. It's really just like a person to talk to that can relate to you because yeah. work at financials is very niche in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So if I were to talk to anyone in that office, they probably mostly know about HCM. So for Workday Financials in terms of like, oh, what should I be aware of when it came to training? And Roger actually was my buddy. So when I came in, I had absolutely no clue. No one else in the office knew about Workday Financials. So I talked to him and I just realized like I got into the credit card game because of him. <laughs> so he, he was like kind of trying to convert master. me and everything. Oh my God. And, and Roger, if you're hearing, we'd love to have you on. But for those who don't know Roger, um, so Roger was an analyst at Accenture. He's now, uh, since left Accenture, uh, he's at Facebook. Um, but he, he was uh, Christine's buddy and he was on one of my engagements. And then he later became my counselee as well uh, before his departure for a little bit. Extremely, oh. extremely intelligent individual, right? I think he scored like a perfect score in the GMAT. We miss him to this day. But uh, when, when Christine and I were talking about getting on the <laughs> podcast, right? She's like, hey, are you, are you, are you that Roger's friend? I was like, yeah, that's me. That, that, that's, that's a great, that's a great intro. <laughs> so it, it was funny when you had mentioned you knew Roger, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. that's so crazy. The world is so small, right? Where Accenture is a firm of what, 400, 500,000 people. And, yeah. and uh, to find a connection amidst that, is, it's crazy to me. I think the irony is that he was trained in Workday Financials, but he was on a Salesforce yes, project. Yes. So that's how he met you. Yep. The connection, even though it didn't really make sense. But yeah, and, and it's funny <laughs> because, um, see, you like you're, you found something that you loved, right? Yeah. And, it, and you seemed very, very passionate about it. And, and that, I think, is key in the exponential growth right? From what level you are to, to make it to the next level, right? You have to be passionate mm-hmm. because you're doing a lot of work and especially you where you're straddling multiple clients at the same time uh, with other people, right? And, and not to, you know, pick on Roger as an example, but he, you know, from his experimenting at, at the analyst level, he figured out that that's not where he wanted to be. Yeah. He wanted to be in a different sort of practice. So it's totally okay, right? For the analysts listening in and for folks who are thinking about consulting that are afraid they may get pigeonholed into something, right? It is okay to get started in one place and then transition to another 
right? So long as you're performing well, so long as you have sponsorship, you're on an engagement that you've given you that experience to sort of transfer over. And Roger had all that, right? So I think he's a great uh, case study to, to review and, and um, uh, example to show others who are sort of in that line, right? Or, or are really not happy with their alignment. They want yeah. to jump over. Uh, he did it, right? But you're the other example where you fell by luck into something and you loved it from day one. <laughs> so what's oh, growth I, for you? What? Sorry, what, what is growth for you next? What's next? Like as you progress, you're, you're, you know, you're two years in. Um, do you want to progress in this sort of stream, continue with the consulting track? Or are you going to retire off of YouTube? What, what's the path here? <laughs> uh, so I think I have actually two passages, two paths of growth. Uh -huh. um, I, I'm not seeing them as the same. I'm seeing them as separate, actually, in terms of YouTube slash podcast and all that and Accenture or technology consulting. Very interesting. I don't actually want to do YouTube full time huh. just because I like the job that I'm doing and not just because of like workday financials, I actually just like working with people with technology. So even if I may not want to do technology consulting in the future, I want to do something similar to it. Yeah. So if that's the case, I think like, like I mentioned before, product management, project management, actually now, now that I'm thinking about it from being a consultant, so I don't want to do project management. I think it's too tedious. I want to work more with the technology. So it'd be more like a product management systems design, something like that. But in the long run, actually, I do see myself in technology consulting. It's just a matter of pivoting into like a different field just to get something different. Uh -huh. And even though I like Workday Financials, there's still so many things out there. And that's the beauty of technology is that there's so many new technologies out there. Yeah. And Accenture is constantly working with many different new technologies. They're always constantly acquiring too. Every so day. there's so many different new businesses and opportunities out there. And it really is like, I'm keeping myself open-minded to anything that's out there, but I'm still keeping myself granted to Workday Financials as well. So if anyone in the Workday Financials practice out there, don't feel alarmed. I'm not going to leave just <laughs> yet say. at least. But... <laughs> Um, when it comes to the actual work itself, I'm just constantly keeping myself. Uh, in the long run, though, I do want to start some kind of technology consulting firm slash venture capital. Hmm. So I do want to do something with entrepreneurship or investments. But the thing about that is that I've done a little bit of entrepreneurship in the past and it's so much work. So the second best thing is to invest in them, too. Yeah. So yeah. The thing is, like, I need the money. So. That's where so I how, need to do technology what? consulting and some YouTube on the side as well. So money is not the end goal for me, honestly. It's really just, I really like working with technology, new businesses out there mm -hmm. and all this kind of fun stuff out there. And I'm not really looking to get a profit. I mean, profit is good, but uh, the kind of work that I'm doing, I really like helping people specifically. So that's one of the main reasons why I started YouTube as well, yeah. because I could have gone through like a paid counseling route, but I did YouTube instead. And I did a lot of free content where typically people would probably have courses on mm. and it goes really deep into it. And though a lot of the kind of content I'm talking about is super niche that like most people probably just care about consulting, but why do I talk about staffing and technology consulting? That's so niche yeah, and really yeah. specific to maybe even a firm or not even the firm, maybe just a specific practice in this case, Workday. And I just really enjoy the fact of like having content out there to help some person out there, even if it may not be to the vast majority, because I remember being in their shoes where I had absolutely no one talking about technology consulting. And if I want to get something specific, I at least have something there. And that's actually one of my other paths of growth is really just growing that into more of a 
content for young working millennials or hmm. young working professionals. So technology consulting will still be there. I yeah, don't want yeah. to ditch it completely. So at the very beginning of my YouTube career, it was actually mostly how do I want to position myself? If I do just technology consulting, it can get very, very niche really quickly. Yeah, and yeah. doing all these interviews can get also pretty droning at one point. I'm still doing them though. It's just really like on a phased approach, not going to do every single video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like once every month. And the kind of content I'm going over is like buying a house, which is what I did. So it's kind of like going over about if you wanted to save up for a house or go through a house closing or anything like that, moving, whatever, or when it came to paying your student loans or personal development, like how to be more confident. Again, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, a lot of people say ums, us, likes. I had a video specifically on how to actually make yourself seem more confident to the client, to every other person. So all those kind of things out there. Very nice. So I don't want to make it just technology consulting just because because it gives me a lot of flexibility to do a lot of content I normally would be doing. So I'm not just passionate about consulting. I'm, consul I'm, I'm passionate about helping people. So that's really kind of like the goal of the YouTube channel. The podcast is really just like, here's a little here and there. Um, on, yeah. a, on a side yeah. of like all these interviews, I do a lot of other like little one-on-ones with like, let's say for example, my boyfriend, we talked about our real estate journey. And then I'm also probably gonna be talking to some people about friendships as a young working professional, something like that. And I don't think we talked about it much in this uh, call, but in this podcast episode, but it actually was mostly started out as a way to kind of get people together because hmm. I remember not having any community. There was just yeah, only magic yeah. consulting or just consulting. And I was like, there's no one out there talking about technology consulting. So the best way to do it is actually create a Facebook group because I'm seeing a lot of Facebook groups are growing. And at first I thought it was all gimmicky, like, you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of spam. Yeah. But if you have the correct structure in place, you will have really good conversations. So that's exactly what we did. And what I enjoy about it is because we have so many people in there. I think at this point, it's like 880 people or so of like 50 plus countries. And wow, the fact nice. that it's like 50 plus countries, it was like, that's mind boggling that 50 plus countries have either seen my content or that they were interested in technology consulting. So we get kind of perspectives of how consulting could be like in the Philippines. And I actually did a interview on getting a job in technology consulting during the pandemic in the Philippines too. Oh, wow. So that was a really different perspective that you normally would not get. And this community, I have so many plans in store. Um, it, it is completely free in my opinion, but it's still a lot of work that it like <laughs> almost is I should be paid for, but I sh uh, it's just a lot of work in general because yeah, we have you're, you're spending so much time, right? Yeah. For now, now hopefully people can appreciate just how much time yeah. you're spending at work and yeah. all of this pro bono sort of work that mm -hmm. you're doing. It's it's uh it's there's only 24 hours in the day at the end yeah. of the day, so they're taking mm -hmm. away from other time or or sleep or sort of relaxation <laughs> or whatever you what you do on your free time. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And and you mentioned you were initially doing some, you had some entrepreneurial ventures. Yep. What what were they? And this is, so how, I mean, you're, you're fairly young, right? And you, my God, you have all these things going on. You're, you've, you've also been an entrepreneur. Talk us about that. Uh, tell us about that. <laughs> so for the longest time, I think it was like three years, four, five, three, four, five years or so, I was actually involved in a startup, which was Actually, one of the re main reasons why I wanted to work in a global company is because of that kind of startup was I work with people in Ireland and Australia, Asia, uh, UK, Canada. And these were just a lot of high school and college students interested in making this retail system. So it was really mostly just it first started off with 
here's a shirt and then we're going to put a graphic tee on it. And I was yeah. like, there's really no market value for that. Everyone, everyone does that. So what is going to actually provide value and why would they want to choose us? So we kind of pivoted our way into something else. So that was actually a whole different one. It, called, it was called positive culture. Mm. It, it sounds cool. It really wasn't. <laughs> um, and then the actual other one was called what's in. And that's the one that I actually was really involved in. Um, at the time I was still in high school and then half of our team was in college, specifically at NYU while I was in New York mm-hmm. for high school and whatnot. So we did meet up a lot off in Manhattan or something like that. And the NYU students would actually talk to their entrepreneurship leaders and hubs and whatnot for all those mentors in their program. And they would just talk about like investments or like what kind of things that investors would want and all these kind of things. And even to like my freshman year internship was in retail operations. It fell right into that. And my actual, like the supervisor I was working with was so interested in this idea, but it just wasn't feasible. So this idea was actually, and I'm pretty sure this happens already, but it's really just, here's a little kiosk kiosk for, or I'm just like already saying this out loud. I know it's ridiculous. It's a kiosk at any retail store Uh where you can try on clothes and the actual clothing you try on would be waiting for you at the fitting room. So it's one way to kind of increase foot traffic into a retail store. Mm. So it's not like, so, it's not supposed to be taking away from e-commerce. It's supposed to help with your retail stores. So, so, so just to play that back. So you would, you would, let's say, get a piece of clothing off the rack yep. and you say you, 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 I guess a kiosk, you would scan it and say, I want this, I want to try this in this size. And you would then go over to the fitting room and it would be there. That plus we had some kind of AI involved. So that's one of the main reasons why it's definitely not going to be doable is you have to do like, here's your body type, here's your style. And then like a little style quiz, which everyone loves to do. And when we did that, that's where like the actual kiosk will recommend you outfits based off of the inventory in the school, in the store, which was a huge issue too, because that means you need integration with the inventory. But every time if they recommend you something and then that item is not there because someone else is at the cash register with it, there was just so many complications. Yeah, if you're in yeah. college, like it's just not feasible. Like <laughs> you need to be full-time on this kind of thing. You need uh-huh. to have a lot of buy-in from retail stores. And um, I had a buy-in from like the retail operations director that I worked with in my internship. But when it came to the technical standpoint, it was just, we had no one of that expertise. Yeah, no, but it's great to see how you were thinking about this, right? And you, you were in uh, college or high school when you were doing this? Or- high school and college. Oh my God, at that, that young, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I was not thinking about retail and coming up with uh, solutions to real world problems when I was that young, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, it's very good. I mean, very interesting. And, and now you describe yourself as an intrapreneur yeah. on your LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. so, so in what regard? So how are you expanding and, and being entrepreneurial within, I guess, the firm uh, and in what ways? Yeah. So one way that I like to say is with providing value to the client, which is like kind of obvious, but when it came to that is really, again, trying to be a little bit different than the others. Um, I'm not trying to be a snowflake or anything, but it's just, I've noticed that my style is a little bit different where I ask a lot more questions. And I realized like when I start to look into the style I'm doing, I do the Socratic method and everyone hates the Socratic method. So I'm starting to like, wonder is that even is it working but it looks like it is I guess I am and it's really just really helping the client figure out what they're trying to do so in this case I'm not really helping them like find a new idea or even me making their own like 
to help them kind of get that light bulb, which is start of the, it's like the starting point of something new. Huh. And it's really, again, working with a existing structure and trying to innovate that as opposed to here's a whole new structure out there. And not just with the client, but also within the firm too. Um, again, there was like, um, I'm actually the office for the New York office when it came to when it comes to the workday practice. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things that we did was actually um, I'm getting a internet connection is unstable. Were you able to hear me? Yeah, I'm hearing you. And I could, I could see bits and pieces of you, but I can hear you fine. Hello? Can you hear me? Okay. I yeah, I saw you. a little, your internet connection is unstable. Oh. Okay. I could hear uh, you. Did I cut off at one point? Uh, no, it was going fine. Did I cut off at one point? Uh, no, not, not on my end. I can hear you still. Okay. Uh, so I was actually office champion for the workday practice in the New York office. So a lot of the cool ideas we had were, let's say like a paint and sip and then the video games I was talking about. So that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed the work culture there is because uh, it was kind of like a startup within a big company. Yeah, so it yeah, didn't yeah. feel like we were in a big company. We were just kind of like a bunch of nerds and geeks playing around. And that's what I really enjoyed. And so all, I had so many ideas for being office champion. I know it's technically not consulting, but it definitely did help out in terms of like all these cool ideas I had. Like we watched Aladdin on Broadway together at one point too. So it was a lot of cool things that we did that normally most people probably do like a happy hour, but you have so much creativity. And the thing about it is that what I think it would probably resemble most to being an entrepreneur is probably my YouTube channel, which mm. Now I'm thinking about it, it's actually closer to entrepreneurship. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's like, I feel like I would just wanted something with a low barriers of entry. Yeah, and yeah. in this case, YouTube was. Yeah. So I was able to kind of become an entrepreneur in this sense where if I once become monetized or something like that, I'm technically an entrepreneur. And at one point, it, this can really snowball to something bigger. Absolutely. You never know, right? It, it, all it takes is that right person watching it or that right sort of footage or whatever it is, message, and, and you go viral and then your life changes. But I, but I think you're doing it with a truly and, and um, a very genuine intention, right? Which is the same intention that sounds like you had even from high school and in college, which is to get people um, uh, not only interested, but understanding what's out there in the technology space, yeah. right? Get Educate them, right? Because a lot of the people have the same questions, right? Even though we've gone through it, right? The mm -hmm. newer generation and the people who are in school now ask the same questions that we had, right? And we didn't have platforms and we didn't have folks yeah. like you uh, explaining that. So it's, it's, I think it's a very good intention and um, it's the passion and sort of the effort that the mixture of two will, will lead to success. Right? Mm -hmm. It sounds cheesy when you say it, but you, know, you need the two <laughs> ingredients and luck. luck. Luck's a big piece of it too. Yeah, definitely. So you, and, and, you, and you recently moved to your new place, right? Uh, and, and uh, I think you did a video, you said, on uh, how to save up to move to a new place. <laughs> yeah, I have like a playlist specifically for money and then another playlist for real estate. So the money one was actually how I paid off my $50,000 in student debt within one year. Wow. And especially living in New York, I think that is a what? of its own. So it was just something that I had to do because I, had, I hate it so much whenever people are like, it's not doable, it's not possible. <laughs> I'm like, you can if you try. Okay, so give us, there was give a, us lot a 30 second version of how, because this this is amazing. 50K <laughs> in one year. 
30 seconds. Let's yeah. hear it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to admit though, that like consulting does pay pretty well, but that yeah. if I were to track back the kind of spending I did was as if I was like working at McDonald's. Mm. So the kind of work that I did was like, I looked into affordable housing in which you definitely should look into it. If you're in the New York area, there's a lot of medium income affordable housing out there where you get below market rate rent stabilized renting. Yeah. So for me, I actually saved a lot where normally you probably pay about $9,000 extra a month just for the same exact space. Oh, man. So from that, that went straight into that. I also saved about like a thousand dollars per month and I paid off student loans $1,000 per month. And anything else, like when it came to cooking, I would try to cook as much as I can. And the benefit about consulting though, is that if I were to go on site, it's paid for. It's so paid I for. have yeah. to pay for all yeah. that food, yeah. all that travel. And credit card points is also huge too. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. So. <laughs> by the way, by the way, I, I forgot to mention that this guy had like a million points at one point. Yeah. Right? Over a million, which is, he's, he's competing with the points guy at that point, I think. So... <laughs> Very nice. Yes, okay. I, I definitely learned a lot from him in terms of how to play the points game and yeah. really, and he also is really big into personal finance too. So I learned a lot about like, how much should I do in my 401k Roth IRA? What's the difference? I didn't really know the difference yeah, at the yeah. time. So that was really important for me to learn. And I followed a lot of YouTubers too, like Graham Stephan as well, who helped me a lot in terms of understanding personal finance without actually sounding like a taxes person or numbers yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that really helped me because if I understand it better, I can play the game better. I know it's a Abs little bit weird absolutely. to say that, but you can definitely help leverage everything that you have. So for me, it was saving, 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 and then every dollar that I had, I would try to save. If you looked at my apartment, it was so scarce. I had literally just maybe four pieces of furniture. I don't buy clothes which is ridiculous because I have in my closet right now, I'm 24 years old right now. I have clothes from middle school. So they still fit me magically, but I don't buy clothes unless it's breaking or that I have a particular use of it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's so many things out there that you can save on. I also don't drink. So all yeah. those $15 cocktails, I don't pay for. I just yeah. get water. <laughs> Very nice. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it paid off, right? 50 grand yeah. in a year. And there are people mm -hmm. who are still paying off their college loans, right? And they're, they're, they're yep. managers or five, six years or seven, 10 years into their careers. <laughs> that, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. you, uh, Christine, really, really excited. And I think your story is very unique. Right. Not only are you killing it at Accenture, right? You're involved with all these projects, multiple engagements, operating at that level. You have a shit ton of things going on outside of work, right? You're very passionate about it and, and, uh, you, and you're seeing the success, right? You recently bought a home, paid off your loans, thousand subscribers within what, a week, right? So it, it, you have a community that loves you across the world. All right. So I am pretty sure we're going to be hearing a lot, lot more from you. And uh, if you want to do a plug for your social media, right, let, let people know, because I, I think everyone should connect with you. It's very easy to talk to you um, and you have tremendous sort of experience. Right. And, and you could just give them the, the real deal. So you can find me on YouTube as Christine Wong. Actually, I worked so hard to be the top of the search result for that. There's so many Christine Wongs out there, but I finally made it. The moment I hit number one on the search result, I finally made it. So you can find me on Christine Wong. And if you can't find the correct one, I should be the one that has sushi in front of me. I don't know. But um, then my Instagram is cwong0102. A lot of that is actually focusing more on updates on my cats. So I actually am a huge, crazy cat lady. So my 
my Instagram stories about cats, but I yes. have posts on personal professional development and updates. And also the technology consulting community stopped. So there is also the technology consulting community, which I, as I mentioned before, has about 880 members or so at this point and has 50 plus countries. So we're still trying to grow. It's got a lot of current consultants and a lot of technology a lot of current and new and aspiring technology consultants. So no matter where you are in your path, we're yep. trying to figure out a lot of resources. So in that community, we have a technology consulting case prep program where you can pair up with a lot of people. And there's also a pro bono technology consulting case program we're trying to do. So a lot of the pro bono programs out there are specifically to tech or to consulting or management consulting, but nothing really to technology consulting. So we do our, we're, we're building our clientele right now. And then we're also building the consultant side as well. So so that way there is a way for you to get consulting experience because a lot of people there they have experience in tech or business but not consulting yep and the best way to do it is through a program like this so those are the compute those are my social media handles definitely hit me up if you have any questions i'm always happy to help absolutely do so christine great talking to you right uh, hope to get you back on an episode down the road right when you are a ceo killing it in either your <laughs> venture or at the Accenture. But thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Excellent. Have a great night. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.